following is a special presentation of the Mars Attacks podcast, member of Talking Metal Digital. This is Kurt Winstein from Crowbar, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Uh, hey, what's up? This is Liam from Cancer Bats. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, everybody, this is your big... Gene What's up? This is Doc Coyle. From- hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Rex Brown from Kill Devil Hill. Hey, this is Richard Christie from the band Charred Walls of the Damned on Metal Blade Records. Hey, this is Chris Mars from Six Feet Under. Hey, what do you say? Be careful because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Welcome, one and all, to episode 104 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I am your host, Victor M. Ruiz. Uh, it's been a few weeks. have a lot of health-related things going on with me, my wife, my kids. Uh, so this has been on the back burner for a little bit. Unfortunately, been wanting to put episodes together, and it just hasn't worked out due to one illness or another or <laughs> muscle issues with with uh, uh, my wife actually messing up her back. So, uh, unfortunately, Mars Attacks has come second, but I have a, a little bit of free time here and putting an episode together, which I hope you guys uh, like, love, hate, whatever, <laughs> whatever is up to you guys. Um just going to throw out a bunch of different tracks that uh, I enjoy listening to, and, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I hope that I don't repeat any tracks that I've played before in a music-related episode. I really should keep lists of these things so that I don't repeat myself. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, these tracks, I hope you guys enjoy as much as I enjoy. Um, while I've been away or at least these last few weeks, what I've done is, um, if you haven't gone to MarsAttacksRadio.com, you, you may have not seen it, but what I've done is I've come up with these opinion pieces that I've put together and written called Signals from Mars, and just different topics that I've that have been in, in the metal news that I've wanted to touch upon, uh, some different issues that I've had with uh, comments that D. Snyder made, you know, regarding Doug Aldridge and Kiss and and other things, and just trying to, uh, you know, throw my opinion out there, get other people's opinion as well. Uh, best place to leave your opinion is within our Facebook site, which is facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. Uh, due to the fact that there's no spam or nothing else, it just seems that more people uh, go there to to leave comments than they do. With within the actual website, which is cool, I have no problem with that at all. Um, so yeah, so uh, basically the the lead off um, post is is related to that, related to what really constitutes a hit, because you know D goes on to mention in a recent interview that he doesn't play Kiss beyond any Bruce Kulick era Kiss because they didn't have any hits. And I think if you objectively look at things, I mean, if if that's how you're going to gauge things, Twisted Sister honestly only had two hits <laughs> because that's all you hear on the radio. So are we going to go by radio hits or are we going to go by what the diehards 
are used to listening to. If that's the case, I mean, then, yeah, you can consider Under the Blade and You Can't Stop Rock and Roll uh, as hits. If not, to the general public, they don't know who the fuck Twisted Sister is. They just know, you know, we're not going to take it, maybe from some sporting event or I Want to Rock. Uh, maybe they've seen the cartoonish character that Dee portrays in the videos. But that's what they're known for. They're not known for really anything else. If you, if we want to be honest, and I love Twisted Sister. You know, every one of their albums has something really good on it, in my opinion. And obviously, the first three are what most fans gravitate towards because they're just classics and just great, great albums. But... Um, it's just a shame that, you know, whenever D has to promote things, he's got to, you know, just make these outlandish statements to get himself heard and whatnot. And, hey, more power to him. You know, D was my very first interview. Uh, he was great to me. I have nothing but good things to say from that standpoint. And I think D is a great guy. It just comes to a point where, similar to Gene Simmons or Ozzy or, you know, just certain characters that... When they have something to push, you got diarrhea coming out of the mouth sometimes. So, and I mean, you could say the same about me, no problem. But it's it's just interesting that uh, you know, whenever he has a solo album, a book, uh, a cabaret album, you know, his Broadway tunes, you know, that that he starts saying these things. But whatever, um, I'm very sad. To hear was very sad to hear that AJ Perro did pass away. Um, again, all of these thoughts are up on the site. There's also a whole tidbit about uh, Skid Row and their lead singer changed that. I posted last week. Uh, this week, I'm going to have something regarding crowdfunding, which I've sort of mentioned on the, um, the podcast before. Uh, just interesting that these bigger bands are getting involved and I don't know. <laughs> Shit's too expensive, and just some of the things are not that cool that they're, you know, doing. So, whatever. Um, what else do we have going on? Well, I mentioned the Facebook. We also have Twitter out there. Trying to do the Follow Fridays uh, to get, you know, to, to cross-pollinate between Mars Attacks and other podcasts that I mentioned. I'm gracious that other hosts are favoriting you know, the um, the Follow Friday post that I do, and hopefully that opens my show up to a wider variety of people because um, that's what it's all about, you know, just getting out there, reaching out to new people. And nowadays it seems like everyone's coming on board and has a podcast. Uh, some of them last, some of them don't last. Um, Decibel Geek Podcast just celebrated their fourth year with a new website, which looks absolutely cool. And a really cool interview with Mark Slaughter. They had a nice little shout-out for me during that interview. It was cool to hear, you know, that they mentioned me. And that uh, I asked Chris, I said, hey, uh, did you go back and listen to my interview with Bobby Rock? Or did that just sort of come off the cuff, you know, the, the comment? And he responded that he actually remembered Bobby saying what he mentions during the the interview, which is basically that he was burnt out and wanted to move on and didn't want to become part of Slaughter at the moment when the invasion had broken up. 
was just, I don't know, it was cool that they mentioned it. And I uh, really enjoyed the, the interview with Mark. Um, I don't know, Chris is one of those guys that, you know, I, I consider myself very friendly with. I uh, can bounce ideas off of him uh, and just have good good conversations with him behind the scenes. We talk every now and then on the phone. And um, I don't know. I, I really like the interview. My only thing is that they're, to me, their buddy Billy got in the way at some point where, or in a few points where Mark's trying to expound upon ideas or different stories. You're getting into the storytelling, and then Billy cuts him off and starts you know, saying different things and, um, you know, whatever, not my show. That's just my opinion. Um, I think Aaron and Chris do a great job. They've really developed a, a great chemistry and they're real pros, you know, w- with their, with their show. It's sort of envious that I don't, or, or I'm not able to have that sort of, you know, chemistry with another host, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning <laughs> in the sense that, um, you know, even after almost six years of doing this, you reach out to people, and in the end, it's it's my show. And um, as much as I think other people will will enhance what I do, uh, I think that there are just so many hiccups behind the scenes on my end in my life uh, to try to hook up with other people and their hiccups in their life. Uh, it's just too much of a pain in the ass sometimes, you know. Um, I had talked about doing a wrestling podcast for the, for the longest time. I pitched the idea to a bunch of different people and it just sucked because, you know, all of these people that were, you know, self-professed wrestling, you know, fans, you, you reach out and you think, wow, you know, this will be cool to hook up with them. And, you know, this person's connected. Um, they, they've done stuff, actually done stuff with NWA in in the U.S. and whatnot, and, you know, it'll be cool because, you know, I think it'll connect with different people and we can give them a different perspective than, than the same old, same old, and it just never works out. You know, oh, you know, I, I, I've, th- there's one host that that's out there that I know a lot of people that subscribe to my podcast subscribe to his podcast, and... You know, it sucks because I've seen that he's done a few wrestling-related and music-related podcasts over the last few months, and it sucks because, you know, I think, you know, what the fuck? You know, I reach out to you, dude, and you tell me, oh, you know, I'm not familiar with today's product. You know, I don't think it would be that good. But yet you're taking the idea and running with it. So, I mean, it's a big what-the-fuck moment on my end. But whatever, you know. Um... I think in the end, I have a hard enough time putting Mars Attacks together. I think I, in certain ways, there may be too much delusions of grandeur with me thinking, oh, you know, I can branch out and I can do this as well. And then when I look at it, you know, there's um, just due to time and different things, I, I can't do it. I mean, if there was money involved and whatnot, which, you know, is just never going to happen. At least I don't foresee it happening. You know, I, I really can't take loads and loads of time away from, you know, being a father, um, doing what I can to, you know, help my family out and whatnot. You know, I, I still am, unfortunately, unemployed. Um, the way things are here in Spain, you know, with um, 
with somewhere close to like 28% unemployment and, you know, the unofficial numbers being uh, fairly close to 9 to 10 million people unemployed. Uh, It's very difficult and, um, you know, I've sent resumes to certain places where I thought it would be a home run. Well, we need an... Uh, a native English speaker uh, with an IT background and just zilch comes up. And I don't know, it's just sort of head scratching. I think a lot of times they put those um, ads out there because they're obligated to do so. And then they're just hooking up their cronies or, you know, their their buddy's son or, or, or daughter or whatnot. But it sucks because the level of English over here really blows. I mean, if you listen to... Uh, my interview with uh, Guillermo from Angela Sepatrida, I mean, he, he says it. He says, you know, most of the people that listen to them here in Spain have no idea what the fuck they're talking about when they're singing. And it's unfortunate because, you know, a lot of people just don't want to learn. And I've tried, you know, I've tried to start up my own business. I'm going to uh, try to be a little bit more proactive with this and getting out there and helping you know, groups out with um, press releases and lyrics and things of that nature. You know, groups that want to sing in English, want to try to crack the UK and US market. You know, it's almost embarrassing that they're still using, you know, Google Translate to, you know, uh, do their press release. Or, you know, there's there's one group that... Just because Angelus Apatrida is has been touring continuously throughout Europe, they're on Century Media. The band has been around for fifteen plus years, so it isn't as if they just, you know, slapped something together and they got out there. No, they've they've been around for for quite a while, and it's it amazes me that other bands think, oh well, if they can do it, we can do it. Well, no, you have to work at it you have to be professional if you can't be professional you have to get a team together that is professional and it amazes me that you contact some of them and they say oh no 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 well um my manager's girlfriend is the one that's handling this and she's really good at english she's good at what going to piccadilly square and going shopping or she actually understands and can fluently put a press release together because you know I'm not the most literate person in the world but fuck you see some of these you know English translations on Facebook and stuff and and 99% of the press releases are just grossly mishandled and you wonder how the fuck do you expect to crack any market outside of your own neighborhood if that's what you're trying to sell to an English-speaking market. You know, you, you look at things and, and you say, wow, you know, that's great. You know, in Spanish, you wrote one thing, and it's awesome, you know, what you're trying to get across, your message, uh, this and that. But then in English, you know, if I'm, an, if I'm a client or if I'm a prospective buyer who sees what you have written, you know, I'm going to look at that and I'm either going to, you know, read five to ten words and say, uh, next, or I'm going to scoff and laugh at it thinking, you know, how the fuck did this idiot or these bunch of idiots think that this is acceptable? You know, uh, I don't know. It's just mind-blowing. So I'm 
trying to work on that avenue. I've I've worked with various groups on, you know, polishing off lyrics. Uh, maybe they've had certain lyrics of theirs where they've had questions, so they've come to me and I've um, I've, I've helped them make the lyrics grammatically correct or suggested things to make the lyrics work. Uh, there are others that I've helped prepare for touring and helped with just different, like um, like almost uh, like a uh, crib sheets um, uh, type of, you know, setup so that they're, they're ready to go on tour and have the basics down and, and so that they're able to defend themselves with other groups. I mean, it's impossible to prepare them for everything, but you know, you can get the basics down so that, you know, they can at least communicate. I think that's the most important thing uh, for people to do. And, and it's a shame because the way things are taught over here is that, and it's the way, in, the same way in the U.S., you know, you you learn, or at least it was when I was trying to learn German, for example, you know, you learn to conjugate words. And it's like, well, when I was a kid, I learned to speak a language, you know, I learned to pronounce, uh, you know, whether I have something in the correct tense or not, I think is almost secondary. And some people can say, well, you know, you're completely wrong. But no, I think if you have to learn a language, you have to get the basics down of communication. And that's speaking to another person. As long as you can communicate with them, that's goal number one. Goal number two is refining how you're actually communicating. And then once you've actually gone beyond that, yeah, you have to finally become that streamlined performance machine where you want to get everything down written and being able to read everything and whatnot. Um, But, I mean, before you get to the written and the reading part of it, I think you really need to form... You know, a way of listening to things and a way of speaking and and whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm getting off topic here. This really isn't very hard rock or metalish, but uh, it's just something that has frustrated me recently. And it's this is this is therapeutic, per se. Um, been also kicking around the idea of doing more interviews. I don't know. I I stopped doing interviews um, a few months back because I figured, you know. What was the point? Because I'm on Talking Metal Digital with the great Mitch LaFon and obviously with uh, Mark Striegel and Talking Metal. And I just figured, you know, who who's going to listen to the level of interviews that I'm allowed when, you know, these guys are getting people that are, you know, upper echelon interviews and I'm seeing a lot of the things that are thrown at me, a lot of the different requests that are thrown at me. And I noticed that there are people that either Mitch, who, you know, God love him, but, you know, sometimes he's backed into a corner of just Bon Jovi kissing Metallica. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of things that fall through the cracks. But I understand because that's what he's into and that's what his audience is into. Uh, maybe there are a lot of other things that I should look into to try to get other people, you know, on board. Then again, I'm looking at, you know, what I do with these with the classic album series, which I've only released one episode in the last I don't know how long. Uh, it's not for lack of trying because you know it just sucks that you reach out to people. And again, similar to what I said before, 
you know, people say, oh, yeah, yeah, keep me in the loop. I, I want to, you know, comment on all of these. And then you reach out to them and then they don't even respond. You know, I don't know. Being someone that uses email for or has used it in the past for business purposes, you know, I think that the most courteous thing to do is just respond back. Hey, you know, I don't have time right now or, you know what, I'm no longer interested, whatever. But just keep people hanging <laughs> and then... You know, when you need something, hey, man, I really want to promote this. Yeah, okay, that's cool, but, you know, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) You know, I don't know. It just just sucks. You know, it should be one hand washes the other, but it can't be, you know, (laughs) me giving the reach around all the time. And then it turns out that when when you ask for someone to reciprocate, it turns out that, oh, no, 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 no. You still have to walk through... 200 fiery hoops before that happened, so whatever. Uh, Anyway, I've rambled on enough. Mention the Facebook, which is Facebook uh, forward slash MarsAttacksRadio.com. Twitter, which is um, Twitter.com forward slash MarsAries2005. And what else? Uh, we have Google Plus as well. And anyway, just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. You'll find the section there to all of the, the social media stuff that we're signed up with. And you can just uh, click on those links and find out any information re- regarding that. Uh, we're also up on iTunes, so please, you know, subscribe to us and please leave a comment. You know, no one's left a comment in a very, very long time. Um, you know, I don't know. Just show your support, man. If you if you dig the show, just go up to these various sites and help spread the word. And, um, you know, again, check out the... The Signals from Mars um, episodes, or not episodes, posts. Uh, I'm thinking of the uh, Decade Series episodes. I'm thinking of the um, albums and um, thinking of My Favorite Kiss, which hopefully this weekend I can hook up with Chris from Decibel Geek and, and Mitch LaFon and knock out another episode. It's been trying to get those two guys together as well. But, uh, you know, hey, I understand. Family comes first. It comes first on my end. It uh, just sucks that, uh, and I'm not just saying this about these two. You know, like I said before, you reach out to various people with projects in mind or, or different, you know, guest spots in mind. And, you know, I don't know, may- maybe it just comes down to uh, going back to that Bobby Rock interview, you know, where I ask him if he thinks that if the invasion got back together again, if um, if anyone would care. And he's mentioned something to the extent of, uh, you know, it comes down to if a tree falls in the woods, you know, would anyone hear it? And I don't know, just seems like with my podcast and, and you know, maybe downtrodden a little bit and I'll get people to say, oh, you know, why, why do you mention that? You know, you need to be upbeat or, or whatnot. And it's true, you know, I should look at things in a positive since, you know, I, I am lucky to be on um, Talking Metal Digital, a coveted spot that a lot of other shows would like to be on. And I know this because other shows reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I'd like to be part of this, you know, uh, what do I need to do? And unfortunately, based on my 
discussions with Mark Striegel, there probably will never be another, and I shouldn't say never because who knows, at the moment it looks as if there will not be any other hard rock or metal podcasts added to um, Talking Metal Digital. I have pitched plenty of ideas, but um, you know they've never... Uh, they've never piqued Mark's interest, unfortunately, and just due to you know getting back to the the interviews and why I stopped doing them. You know the oversaturation of topics and you know and just different things that um, if I'm interviewing Udo, you don't want to have Udo on thirty other shows. So there you go. Um, anyway, let's kick things off with a little. Slipknot, um, discussion with Mitsofan regarding Heavy Montreal, where he felt that Slipknot and Faith No More were not headliners for North America. And I mentioned that I had seen, that, that I had actually seen Faith No More headline a sonosphere here in Spain and, and thought it was like a religious experience, personally. But um, he felt that you know, the names weren't big enough that going from Metallica to Slipknot, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Metallica's in an elite few that not too many other bands can touch on. But, um, yeah, Slipknot, I mean, they've continuously gotten um, tremendous sales in, in North America. In the U.S., they have a few Billboard number ones. I believe this last album... Uh, ended up in the top three, was the first not to go number one in a few uh, Slipknot releases, or Slipknot studio album releases, I should say. And, um, I mean, they definitely have the fan following. So, anyway, always dug this track. Uh, Scuzz in the UK plays the crap out of this video. So, uh, I mean... And one of my few DJing stints, I did play this because it's a track that I love that much. This is off of Volume 3. It is Before I Forget by Slipknot. <laughs>
love that track uh going to another track that i listened to the first time in a bunch of years and uh these guys are one of my all-time favorite groups definitely one of the bands that i've listened to the most uh 90s onward and really define a lot of what i've listened to um in the last 20 some odd years you know um was a band that initially, when I heard the track Replica, I was like, what the fuck is this crap? I, I just didn't get it. And it was almost like, you know, like someone had punched me in the head, like saying, you know, take a listen to this. And initially, I just didn't didn't understand it, basically. It was just my pure ignorance that uh, that didn't get me into the into the band. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it went from that to getting the Mortal Kombat soundtrack because there was a Geezer Butler solo track that was the first thing that I'd heard uh, from his GZR project, or Geezer. And I was like, wow, I need to get this because the album isn't going to be out for a few weeks and really love that track. And then I heard this this song called Zero Signal. Uh, by Fear Factory without even knowing that Burton C. Bell was the singer on the, the Geezer Butler track. And so I became a a fan of Fear Factory because um, Zero Signal just sort of crept up on me and his singing on the Geezer stuff crept up on me and it just... It just snowballed from there. You know, I remember hearing Replica the next day at work. You know, I was <laughs> I was uh, in high school or, sh- or right out of high school working part-time, you know, sweeping up a, a construction site. And, um, and when WSIU would play Replica again, I was, it just started, you know, burning in my head, you know, in, in the sense that, it became something that I couldn't get out of my head. So it went from being something that I didn't understand to something that I just had to listen to. And um, I grew to, to really love, you know, Fear Factory from there. And again, they've been one of my favorite bands. And there's a good friend of mine over here in Spain. His name Victor as well, by the way. Um we were we always discuss music on Facebook. Uh, he's in this really great band that locally um, is probably the most popular local band of all time uh, for for this 
area where I live, and they're working on new material for the first time. And I don't know how long I went to go see them in their rehearsal space. And um, he let me play his drum set, which was ultra cool as well. And we ended up, you know, just talking about Fear Factory. And I posted this song to Facebook, which is Drones. And one of the things that he mentioned to me was, um, you know, who would have thought that Fear Factory would have come back with an album like Archetype that didn't have Dino on it and was, you know, as crushing and as great as a lot of their previous work. So uh, this is a lost gem, in my opinion, in their catalog. Uh, So definitely check it out. This is Drones coming off of the... Uh, archetype album hope you guys enjoy it
Let's keep things in California, going from Fear Factory to, and this is a completely different type of hard rock and metal. This is Fu Manchu. The album is California Crossing. Picked this up at a flea market years ago. There's a flea market in my hometown of Dover in New Jersey every Sunday. And there used to be a CD booth years and years ago. And the guy used to receive all types of promo CDs and uh, he would sell them for dirt cheap. And a lot of times they were like a buck or or $2 or $3 or whatever it was. And um, that's how I picked up Fu Manchu's California Crossing. I remember uh, I had gone to Lollapalooza back in 96 and they had asked various artists in the uh, Lollapalooza program you know, they had asked uh, Kirk Hammett, and they had asked, um, I believe it was Lars from uh, Rancid and Kim Thale, who they thought the next big group would be or who they were digging. I forget what the exact question was, but uh, it was Fu Manchu. And I saw this, and I don't recall how much later, it may have actually been a few years later, uh, because I believe this album did come out in the late 90s, and, and that was in 96. But anyway, um, I've always dug this track. It is Mongoose by Fu Manchu coming off of California Crossings. California Crossing, singular, sorry. Right. 
Awesome track. Keep things in the F's instead of California. Because this is a band that I got to listen to a considerable amount in the late 90s, early 2000s. Due to the fact that their drummer was from Allentown, Pennsylvania, where I worked, the station that we received was from Allentown. So Fuel got a lot of airplay. And um, tying this into the fact that Netflix just released the Daredevil series based on the Marvel comic. Uh, They're supposed to have a five-series deal. If it's anything like Daredevil, man, it really kicked ass to me. It revolutionized any TV comic series. Uh, It basically pissed on, you know, Smallville, um, uh, Gotham, Arrow... Uh, anything else that you want to throw in there that DC has done, or even uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm more of a Marvel guy than I am a DC guy. Uh, I will say that I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's still missing something to really capture you. Um, Daredevil is just X-rated action. Not X-rated, I mean, but it's definitely... Um, R-rated, it definitely, you can notice the Game of Thrones influence because there's definitely a lot of, you know, just gratuitous violence in fight scenes and just different things, how people are often the series that are just ridiculous. And I immensely loved it. Can't wait for the other series that have been confirmed, which are Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, and um, if I'm not mistaken, the other one is Iron Fist, and they're rumoring a possible Defenders um, miniseries. So we'll see. All of this leads up to uh, you know Captain America Civil War, which will come out next year. And beyond that, it continues the whole Marvel uh, storyline. It amazes me that MTV had this uh, 13 things that, uh, 13 points that were left unanswered uh, for the series and they said well will Daredevil factor in uh, yes <laughs> the first thing that they mentioned with the whole Netflix deal was that they would you know bring in heroes that they weren't going to bring in during the actual movies so to pick people up to speed and, and whatnot, it amazes me because that's the most violent thing that Marvel has ever put out you know as violent as something like the Avengers is with them fighting heroes. 
who this blows it away <laughs> in that sense. But um, anyway, definitely recommend it if you're into um, comic book characters. Uh, and even if not, similar to Captain America's Winter so- Soldier, they really did something cool where they tied in, you know, other genres that, you know, due to uh, they're not being CGI or being different things to, that would allow you to pull off a decent looking, you know, comic book themed uh, movie or series. Um They've tied it into, you know, uh, crime dramas and political suspense thrillers like uh, uh, like Winter Soldier was. And um, I don't know. Check it out. Even if, if, you, if you're not into that stuff, it may be worth your while because now, you know, this is, this is a whole new ballgame, the way things are, are set up. So, or the way at least that series and that movie has been done. So, um Anyway, um, what I wanted to play when I mentioned Fuel was Fuel was on the Daredevil, the movie soundtrack, a movie with Ben Affleck uh, that a lot of people poo-pooed. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a a good, entertaining movie. Um, I know a lot of diehards hated it, and it's been often panned, but uh, I, I always enjoyed the movie. Uh, Anyway, this is Fuel with their track Won't Back Down coming off of the Daredevil soundtrack.
fuel there with won't back down armored saint is a band that is about to put out a new album heard a track this morning off of the forthcoming album and really really sounded strong really enjoyed it um man a band that i have loved since symbol of salvations uh due to my age you know i just didn't get them or didn't get into them earlier unfortunately uh, have been able to do so you know with with like a lot of bands you come into money you start working i should say and you decide to go back and check out a lot of these bands and you find out some great great fucking material man um but anyway this is a track that comes off of revelation to me the guitar tone on this especially when it comes to their just total riffing is the best guitar tone that I've ever heard on an album, in my opinion. You know, um, with their last album, La Raza, <laughs> La Raza, more like it in Spanish, The Race, um, the, the sound, it just, it was, it was a great album, but it's just that the, the sound itself of the of the instruments just was missing something something that on previous albums they had and it seems like with the with the new album uh they've sort of gained that back so maybe you know people chimed in and didn't and and heard the same thing that I heard I don't know whatever but um anyway this comes off of revelation it is after me the flood <laughs>
A little armored saint there. That was after me, the flood off of Revelation. That came out, what, like 15 years ago now? Wow. Um, that's just off the top of my head. I could be wrong with that, but I believe it came out around 2000. Um, up next, a track that I've always enjoyed, and I have a lot of friends that just don't like Ripper Owen for... Um, I don't know. Uh, well, he sounds too much like Rob Halford. Well, you know, he was in Priest. Uh, I don't know that he sounds too much like Rob Halford. Uh, obviously, he's got the influence. Obviously, you know, most of us know the the backstory to how he got into Priest and, and whatnot. But I don't know. Just I don't think he sounds. He does, but he doesn't. I mean, he's got his own thing going on as well, in my opinion. But uh, this is one of the lone highlights for me out of the, the last few Inve Malmsteen releases. This is off of the album Perpetual Flame, which came out back in 08. And um, the name of this track is Live to Fight Another Day.
from Inve to a little Impelitary. They've just released an album called Venom. I don't know, it was one of these conversations that I've had recently, and it's something that started with, you know, I guess death metal, or maybe even with power metal it started, but man, to have a drummer that's just on doing just straight double bass from throughout his song just really just makes me <laughs> fast forward. And that album is just too full of that, in my opinion. Just kills the entire thing for me. Um, you got to know when to pull it back. You got to know when to... I mean, you can't have, you know, hot sauce, hot sauce all of the time. I mean, there are some that enjoy it, but, I mean, do you put hot sauce in your milk? Do you put it in your cookies? Do you put it in your coffee? Do you put, you know, I don't know. It just blows my mind. Um, anyway, and, and recently, uh, my good friend Mark Striegel had um, Graham Bonnet on Talking Metal. And uh, similar to Ripper Owens, Graham has jumped in and out of projects over the years, whether it be MSG, whether it be... Uh, Rainbow, uh, so on and so forth. Throughout that episode, he mentions a bunch of different things that he's worked on over the years. But uh, this is an album that I don't know if it ever got released in the U.S. Uh, the album is System X by Impelitary. This came out back in 2002. Um, have always enjoyed select tracks off of this. And... Um, this is a track called Gotta Get Home, uh, featuring Graham Bonnet on vocals. He also did sing on that first great Impelitary soundtrack. Uh, when you listen to the Worship Music series and you hear um, Ines um, do, doing the whole lead-in where she intros me, uh, that's Leviathan by Impelitary off of that first album. And uh, anyway... So here we go. This is something off of System X. It is Gotta Get Home by Impelitary.
little impellitary there coming off of System X, got to get home. And here I am saying the whole double bass thing, and the song is chock full of double bass. So there you go. Shows what a goof I am. Um, recently, we learned that Bruce Dickinson was having some issues with cancer. Very unfortunate to hear. Uh, a lot of these guys are getting up there in age. You know, cancer can strike at any age, obviously. But, uh, you know, a lot of different things where members that we've grown accustomed to growing up um, just passing away. And um, it was something that I asked Mark Striegel the last time we did a Talking Metal episode where we discussed uh, a bunch of different things. But off topic, you know, we hadn't spoken in a while. And I asked him, I said, you know, if something happens to Bruce, does Maiden carry on? And he flat out said to me, he said, no, you know, I don't see that the band would, you know, decide to to venture out there after, you know, Bruce is gone. Uh, my only question is, you know, would they revisit something like bringing a Blaze Bailey back now that, you know, it were to become more acceptable to have him in the fold, but then again, you know, things didn't work out with Blaze. Um, maybe you'd need another another known entity uh, to come in that could replace him and do similar type singing. Ripper Owens, you know, <laughs> who knows? But um, anyway, love Bruce's solo work. To me, his solo work trumps anything that Maiden did outside of. Um, or, or without him during those Blaze Bailey years. Uh, it actually trumps a lot of the stuff that he's done since he's come back to Maiden, in my opinion. Um, this is something off of the Alive at the Marquee album, something that was uh, out of print for quite a while. Well, it was Alive in Studio A and Alive at the Marquee. It's, two, it's a double CD set. And I read recently, or not read recently, I'm sorry, um, I was watching his DVDs, his anthology DVDs, not that long ago, and he talked about the track Laughing in the Hiding Bush, which is what the name of the album Balls to Picasso was originally supposed to be known as. But the label Mercury at the time poo-pooed it, saying that, you know, that it didn't make sense or whatever, they didn't like it, so they went with Balls to Picasso, like that <laughs> was supposed to be that much more appealing. But anyway, um, this track, what's interesting to me, and, and I really like Balls to Picasso, but it's almost his most sterile solo album because of Mercury being involved. I feel that it really didn't have that extra oomph that a lot of the other albums have. This had the Skunk Works lineup, uh, which played on that second album, doing the track live. And I absolutely love their interpretation of this track. It is once again Laughing in the Hiding Bush by Bruce Dickinson. Out of the mouths of babes. Laughing in the Hiding Bush!
in the hiding bush that's live at the marquee that's the second cd of that live at studio a uh, compilation or double live album however you want to look at it um let's see we're gonna wrap things up with one last track surprisingly after you know discussing a lot of different things with d snyder and twisted sister and whatnot i'm still a huge fan of the band and of d's work uh, like i said he was my first interview when he launched the Widowmaker project. And I mean, two great albums that they released. The second one, especially, just so much good music on there. Um, I mean, it's difficult for me to even pick one track off of this to play. And um, I don't know. It just. Uh, Mitchell has talked to D a bunch and D has pointed to the fact that he basically poured his heart out with this project and nobody really cared and that's why he feels that if they do more Twisted Sister music you know that no one would, would really care either now here's the thing 
And again, I mentioned this in one of the Signals from Mars pieces. Um, do they now regret not recording anything with A.J. Perro now that he's gone? <laughs> you know, will that be something that hangs over the band forever? Or are they good with the fact that, you know, they never sat down and, and really did anything? Yes, they did Heroes Are Hard to Find, which is a... You know, a sappy, hot, steaming turd, in my opinion. I mean, the song is god-awful. Um, but, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, with Widowmaker, it was when D was trying to claw and scratch his way back to the top again. He had gone from having no money to actually having to work again and, and scrape to get by. And that's where all these, you know, angry lyrics come up and... You know, that's that's where, you know, what really got people involved in Twisted Sister. Th there's still a lot of things that aren't right in the world. And I understand, you know, his whole point of view was, hey, you know, I had X, X amount of mansions and cars and this and that. So I really didn't, you know, had nothing to complain about. Okay, that's cool. But, you know, the, the rest of the world still connects people that still work nine to five or have their own business or, or whatnot, you know. Um, so it's a shame. It's a shame because I think we could have a lot more really cool music from them. And I think Kiss has been the perfect, you know, example of, you know, um, and whether you like the newer Kiss stuff or not, you know, bands that say, oh, no, 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 you know, it's not going to sell. Why should we do it? Well, yeah, there's still fans that enjoy your music and still the diehards still go out and buy the stuff, you know. So the same thing would happen with Twisted Sister in my opinion. But anyway, um, this is a track off of Stand By For Pain, the second Widowmaker album. Features Al Petrelli on guitars, formerly of Megadeth D. <laughs> He's not going to go out and say formerly of Widowmaker because obviously Megadeth carries a lot more weight. Um, Joe Franco, who is also in Twisted Sister, you know, is playing here. And aha! If you go back and check out that article that I did write, I did sort of, you know, say, well, you know, if Mike Portnoy does play with them, you know, just based on a few different things that I'd seen, I just figured that he was who they were going to go after. You know, he played with Adrenaline Mob and did a few shows with them, again, honoring AJ. So it just seemed, hmm, who would you know, get them more bang for their buck? Would it be Mike Portnoy playing with Twisted Sister? Or would it be Twisted Sister reuniting with Joe Franco? I think we saw the answer. So we'll see if they do some of the other dates with Joe Franco or not. And, I mean, I could see the flip side where they're, they're doing a DVD together with the proceeds supposedly going to AJ's family to help sort out or to help sort out some of the difficulties that they've had since he doesn't have a, you know, he didn't leave um, a will behind or, or whatnot, but whatever. You know, it's his personal deal and, again, something that I get into on the site. So check that out, marsattacksradio.com, and click on Signals from Mars, and you'll see the, the two articles that are up there so far. Maybe you hear this later on, there are more, so who knows. Uh, anyway... This is coming off of, like I said, the second Widowmaker album, Stand By For Pain. And the name of this track is The Iron Road. 
So check this out. Thanks for listening and hope you come back to hear more episodes of the Mars Attacks podcast. Thanks again and see you.
for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.